0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Resilient Leaders Podcast, where resilience in leadership is not simply a good idea, it's required. I'm your host, J.R. Briggs. A few years ago, my friend Doug, who I co-host the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast with, taught me how to surf. We got up early in the morning, we drove a few hours to Ocean City, New Jersey from our home. We rode the waves for a few hours, and then we were home by lunchtime. Now, before we left, we checked the websites that told us the Tide schedule for the day. We got there. When we got there, he lent me one of his boards. He showed me the basic principles. And after a while, after several stops and starts, fails and flops... I was up riding my first wave. It was exhilarating. Now, you can't, of course, generate waves, but instead you position yourselves. yourself, Doug told me. You observe, you scan the horizon so that when a wave is ready to be caught, you use what you've learned, what you've experienced, and what you intuit to catch it. And when you do, it's a rush. Being resilient is the same way. Speaking of waves, in the first episode, I shared my favorite quote from Alvin Toffler, one of the greatest American futurists who said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, relearn, and unlearn. So who is Alvin Toffler? Well, he's considered one of the world's most outstanding futurists. He became widely recognized in the field through his two popular books, Future Shock and The Third Wave. Ever heard of the term information overload? Yeah, he's the one who coined the term and he coined it decades ago. Recently, I finished reading The Third Wave and it was absolutely fascinating. It was the best $3 couldn't put the book down reading that I've had in a long time. Now, you don't have to read all 537 pages of the book so let me give you a brief summary. He said human history can come, it, generally speaking, in broad brushstrokes in three waves. The first wave was the agricultural wave, which lasted for thousands of years. It's where the predominant work was in the field. The second wave was the industrial wave and moving from field now to factory, where we think of corporations like U.S. Steel, you know, Rockefeller and Carnegie. But the third wave was the technological wave. We moved from the field to the factory, to now online, which at the time that Toffler wrote it, said that we were entering into. This is Amazon, Apple, Facebook, leaders like Bezos, Zuckerberg, Jobs, While he didn't have a name for these products because they hadn't been invented yet, I had to chuckle through the book because Toffler foresaw ideas and concepts such as cloning, personal computers, the internet, cable television, and mobile communication. More specifically, and this was mind-blowing, he talked about technologies such as home mini computers, Alexa and Siri, demassification of the media, the power and centrality of social media today where everyone would have a home computing terminal, as he called it, and therefore would be able to have, quote, computing conferences, what we call Zoom or Skype now. If we can compute and work from home, he said, we will stay at home more and the work from home movement and the end of the strict nine to five work schedules. I mean, all this is mind blowing. He even addressed with great lucidity the power and the work culture of places like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Twitter, and other Silicon Valley mega corporations. Now, here's the most amazing thing about his writing. He wrote this book over 40 years ago. Amazing. Toffler got me thinking as I read the book. He got me thinking a great deal about things, especially as it relates to this podcast. Thoughts around how do we live resiliently in this third wave? Which seems to be more turbulent than the other waves due to technology, culture, and the global interconnectedness of systems. So, I want to share some of the ruminations, ideas, concepts, and brainstorming that I had coming out of reading the book. I always think a great book is one that makes you think even more and think new ideas, not just the ideas of the authors. So, I want to give you a helpful principle. And then I want to give you 10 ridiculously practical ways that you can grow in resilience as you lean into the future, 10 ways in which you Can catch the waves. So here's the principle, and this is really important. We can't predict waves, but we can study the tide patterns and go to surfing school. Let me say that again. We can't predict waves, but we can study the tide patterns and go to surfing school. So I want to share those 10 practical ways in which we can get up on our board and ride out this wave, this third wave, in this new reality. So I'm going to go quickly, so buckle up. You ready? Number one, Embrace the tension of the both-and mindset more than the either-or. Now, it's easy to think in either-or categories in the new reality, but we're going to need to be thinking more about both-and. In the past three years, I've been writing a book on this idea of living faithfully in the middle of the both-and reality, that overlapping space of a Venn diagram. The title of the book is called The Sacred Overlap, and it will be out the first week of September, which I'll talk about more in the future. But it's important that we live in the, the, the both and reality, not just the either or. Number two, be looking for connections, partnerships, and collaborations. You can't go surfing alone in the third wave. You've got to do it with other people. So who can you link arms with? What synergistic partnerships and networks can you build with others? Look around where there are already natural points uh, of connection and relationship existing. Look to build on those in the future. Number three: experiment. Build the plane mid-flight. If you wait for it to, be, if you want it to be perfect, you'll never start. You'll just keep waiting. Build the plane mid-flight. It's scarier, but it's way more fun. Another way to say this is is that sometimes we have to be willing to change the tire when the car is still moving. It's difficult and sometimes frustrating, but it's what it means to be resilient. You don't have to have, we don't have the luxury to wait until the car has come to a complete stop here in the third wave. We're going to have to learn how to do that. So keep experimenting and realize we're just going to have to do it as we go. Number four, seize opportunities. Don't just think, well, this might fail. Let's just wait and see. Instead, it's best to think, let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's just try. And number five, that I want to encourage you to look for vulnerabilities. Where are there gaps or their issues? Where is there no one playing in that corner of the sandbox? Or maybe not in that sandbox at all. Be asking yourself, what are the kinks in the hose? And how can I unkink the hose so that water flows out of the hose more often? Look for those vulnerabilities and those pinch points. Number six, strive to be lightweight, low maintenance, and high accountability. Lightweight, low maintenance, and high accountability. This is the recipe for resilience in the new reality. Many corporate or organizational cultures are heavyweight, high maintenance, and low accountability. And I want to encourage you all, look to do the opposite. It's been said that the seven deadly words of the church are we've never done it that way before. But that could also be said of businesses and organizations and nonprofits as well. Strive to be lightweight, low maintenance, high accountability. And number 7, befriend failure. Failure is never fun, but if we can learn to befriend it so that we it can teach us important lessons, It can become a blessing and not a curse. Failure is not the opposite of resiliency. Fear of failure is the opposite. So befriend failure. It's scary, but it can be a great teacher. Number eight, eavesdrop on those who are asking the better questions, asking better questions than normal. Eavesdrop on those who are asking bigger, maybe even uncomfortable questions about reality, about the present, and about the future. Who do you know? who are people who are thinking and living upstream, asking those important big picture questions. Are they friends, coworkers, authors? On this podcast, I've mentioned Todd Bolsinger, Andy Crouch, and even today, Alvin Toffler. Now, these are voices that I believe that are asking much bigger questions that we need to be wrestling with, and therefore we need to be paying attention to these kind of voices. You don't have to take my word for it on these three. You may have others. So who would you add to your list of people that you can eavesdrop upon? Number nine, cultivate an insatiable curiosity. Never stop learning. We've talked about this before, but stop if you stop being curious, you stop learning. And if you stop learning, it's not adaptive leadership. To stop learning is to refuse to be resilient. And when you refuse to be resilient, you ossify, which is one step prior to death. When you ossify, the next step is you die. So cultivate an insatiable, lifelong curiosity. Never stop learning, no matter what you're doing. And number 10, look to increase your opportunity surface area. What is that? Well, It's where we ask, what are the ways that we can open up new opportunities for learning, for connecting, for growing, for asking questions, for allowing ourselves to be stretched? Now, sometimes I diagram this on the whiteboard in my office. Or I actually just write out what are those opportunities in front of me currently, or what could those opportunities be in the future? Sometimes it's writing an article or drawing on my courage to call someone that I don't know to ask them three or four questions that are burning in me. Or maybe it's to craft an email to that author of that book that I just completed, that, whose thoughts stirred and provoked me in positive ways. Maybe it's reading a book that will stretch me or attending a seminar or a webinar outside of my field and then meeting the presenters at a break to ask them uh, follow-up questions. I always like to ask myself, where can I be the dumbest person in the room and how do I get into those rooms? Because I always feel my opportunities for learning and growing and connecting increase. I'm always looking for ways to increase my opportunity surface area because that's where the real learning and stretching and growing takes place. Now, hopefully, this brief lesson in surf school can help you ride the waves as they roll in rather than getting pummeled by them when they come. I want to encourage you to just choose one or two of these 10 points above and try leaning into them. Now, I know this was rather quick, but I've listed all 10 of these in the show notes if you want to go back and review them. That's all we have time for today. And if we can partner with you and your leadership team to help put some of these wave riding principles into practice and have another lesson in surf school, let's talk. Now, this podcast is produced by the venerable Joel Limbowen at On A Limb Productions. Joel produces not just this podcast, but all the other podcasts um, that I believe in. The other one being I that I co-host, the Monday Morning Pastor podcast, and he does a fabulous job. Visit onalimproductions.com where he can help you with all of your video and production needs. Leaders, remember, we can't predict waves, but we can study the tide patterns and go to surfing school. So be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Keep leaning in and learning.